daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Mahomes drifting. Downfield. Intercepted. His first of the season, Jeff Heath, comes away with it. And Heath could go. Tripped up by Mahomes inside the five. The doctor is now in. Ah, what's up? Welcome back. Brian Feldman and Chris Wynn pinch hitting for the Dr. T.C. Martin. Today, T.C. will be back in studio tomorrow. Uh, Of course, every day, weekday, I should say, here on KSHP, 1400 AM and 107.1 FM from 2 to 4. You can hear the Dr. T.C. Martin. And don't forget to come by and see the show live every Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. at the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world's largest sports book, home of the giant 4K video wall. Watch the games in comfort in a non-smoking environment. The world-famous Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. Uh, and TC will be there, I believe, again on Friday. So back in town and there on Friday. Chris, before we get into some other talks, oh, and, and I guess we can look at contract talks in a second, both both in the NBA, kind of a shocker today to both of us that we found out in the NBA, and a lot of negotiating going on in the NFL right now as teams get closer to the regular season. Everybody, all 32 teams now in camp and ready to rock and roll. But I want to finish up the college football talk because we talked about a little bit about Jim Harbaugh, how he wouldn't be coaching the UNLV game. So from what I'm understanding right now with the Harbaugh situation, he is facing um, a four-game suspension for violating NCAA recruiting rules back during the pandemic. It looks like this is inevitable. Um, he uh, he is definitely going to face this suspension, Chris. And, uh, you know, for Jim Harbaugh, you know, you want to say maybe it's a little bit of egg in his face, but everyone faces recruiting problems. It's only a four-game yeah. suspension. And the bottom line is the man has now found a way to beat Ohio State. And Michigan, beating Ohio State and getting into the grid for a national championship, right now I think everyone's pretty finally pretty happy and comfortable with Jim Harbaugh in his khaki pants. Yeah, once again, this is a textbook case of sometimes the attempted cover-up, right, or the cover-up is ends up being worse than the actual violations that took place originally, right? Because Jim Harbaugh, of course, is being in, uh, investigated into, uh, you know, violations, uh, his, uh, 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 basically his comments to the NCAA officials regarding, uh, you know, uh, uh, apparent violations yeah. that he made and his coaching staff. So uh, you brought up, obviously, the UNLV game. The, uh, right now, the first four games uh, would be East Carolina, UNLV, uh, and Bowling Green, and uh, then three, Rutgers. three of those games, and then Rutgers, a team that finished what four and eighty four and eight ago last year, yeah. in the Big Ten. So this is a, look, look, but uh, a, a reason, a reason. If you look at it from a football standpoint, the reason that uh, this is a big deal is because this is a Michigan team that was thirteen and one a year ago, and has a lot of the key pieces returning to that team. You know, so they have national championship uh, expectations there in Ann Arbor. And so this would kind of throw a monkey wrench into it if they uh, were to have a hiccup or a bump in the road there early on in the season. Chris, you know, to me, I've always thought when you get these suspension, they spend you for one game or four games. Mm -hmm. If it's serious and it's a serious violation, you want to punish the team. You don't spend them for the pat, suspend them for the patsy games at the beginning of the season because they're like 92% to go four and oh. And I thought those odds were low. I'd bet, I'd, I'd bet the the, the other side, they're definitely going to win their first four games, but. If you want to really punish someone, Chris, you spend them the last four games of the regular season. Four games before the bowl start, you're going to miss the last four. You're going to miss the Ohio State game. You want to really punish someone if you did something really wrong. All right, we're going to let you keep your job. Okay, we're what we're going to do is we're going to suspend you for the final four games when you're making a run. Wouldn't that be a really good punishment? Well, here's the deal. It's like in Major League Baseball where you give a pitcher a suspension for 15 or 20 games. That's only suspending him for three games. Because they're only starting, you know, they only have three starts yeah, in starts. that time period. So, like, you would, you know, so Major League Baseball, they should, look, suspend the guy for a certain number of starts, right? That's the way you probably should do it. But that kind of has that feel, right, when it comes to this situation with Jim Harbaugh. How about this? Be honest with investigators, okay? When they come at you and they want to know about possible recruiting violations, don't be dishonest in your responses, and you'll run into the situation. Now, look. At the end of the day, as far as in, in, in Michigan, Jim Harbaugh is, is the guy as far as the University of Michigan. You and I are Michigan State guys, so we're not here nor there on that. I don't think it's going to really matter as far as like the suspension. I don't think the, the, the fans, the, the maize and blue fans there, uh, in the they Great Lakes care. State, they, they're not going to yeah. care. They're going to, they're going to, this is all going to go, uh, by the wayside as soon as the suspension is served. 
And, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, for college football, it's probably just going to uh, be be forgotten and and, uh, and come out in the wash. But that being said, I mean, again, like I said, if there is, if they, you know, if, well, the suspension four games, or five games, excuse me, and they do have a hiccup against the likes of a, of a Rutgers or somebody like that, then it could raise its ugly head. Uh, later on in the season, as far as the, as far as the fan base and the media in Michigan, because of of uh, them maybe possibly being on the outside looking in when it comes to a national championship run. No, no question about it. it fans don't care when it comes to that. They want to see you win. When you beat Ohio State and you're a head coach at Michigan, now you can't really lose every other game and just win that one. It would never happen anyways. But the point is, that to them is a Super Bowl. And I've, I've attended a Michigan-Ohio State game. And yeah. matter of fact, I attended one of the best ever with Charles Woodson uh, when, when basically he cemented the Heisman Trophy. Oh, he had, he had the rose in his mouth. You were at that he, game? He scored touchdowns in three different areas on, yes. on your team. That's almost yeah. unbelievable yeah. in the same game. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was incredible, and yeah, he had the rose in his mouth. Yes. It was very cool, <laughs> and uh, and and that was uh, one of the best I think that I in my lifetime. But I've sent I've been to a couple of them actually. There is probably no greater rivalry in sports than Michigan Ohio State. I mean, it is absolutely something that you uh, you you salivate over when that time of season comes. Of all the rivalry games that go on, you know, and you've got your you've got your Harvard Yale, you've got your Army Navy that are some of the longest standing traditional games. But as far as intensity goes, and usually a game that impacts the standing and impacts uh, you know the Big Ten itself the Ohio State Michigan game it comes down it means something every single year like more than just to the two university it means something on a national scope but quickly having an opportunity to win a national championship doesn't come around all that often and it hasn't quite frankly come around all that often for the University of Michigan right this is a conference that Essentially, has been dominated by Ohio State yeah. the last. I mean, you you talked about that uh, that that season, nineteen ninety seven, right? Twenty six years ago. That's the last time Michigan was a national champion. Yeah. You know, that's that's a lot of years for a program so steeped in tradition and a lot of winning tradition, uh, the winningest program, right, in college football history. So, uh, you know, the expectations in Ann Arbor are are win or bust, yeah. and they especially have been here in in the last handful of years that Jim Harbaugh has been the head coach. And that uh, expectation has not changed here in the 2023-24 season. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they want to get back to uh, not just making a college football playoff or winning the Big Ten. They want to win a national championship, and we'll see if they're able to do that. Yeah, well, they definitely have, you know, one of the best teams in the country. They yeah. will again this year. And Jim Harbaugh is an orchestrator of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they brought him there to beat Ohio State and to win national championships. I mean, the guy, you know, he bleeds maize and blue. He's, yeah. uh, he's, a, he's an alumni of Michigan, and uh, we remember when he played there. I Think of him so, like a mini Bo Schembechler, yeah, right? Almost. No, I mean, no, I just no yeah. doubt. I mean, I mean, it just he has that persona, you know. Mm-hmm. Like him or hate him, Jim Jim Harbaugh is a really good football coach. And if you remember his playing days, man, I loved when he was playing for the Colts, not the yeah. Bears. But when he played for the Colts, he was captain comeback. And I mean, yeah. he nearly took the Colts to a Super Bowl at one point in time. And they, far he was playing far above his pay grade. I mean, for a little while in the, when his time in the NFL. So you know, Michigan will be fine. Jim Harbaugh will be fine. And the one thing you won't see for very much longer is recruiting violations is now they start to stipend college athletes. Those kind of things will start becoming less and less, which will be nice because I believed all along. I hate seeing a ton of kids walking around a campus wearing a quarterback's jersey. And then I see, and I see the athletic director in a, in a, in a $3,000 Italian suit and the quarterback can't even afford to get McDonald's. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And so it's been a long time coming and finally they're stipending college athletes. But how great would it be? Brian Feldman, if Doug Brumfeld and UNLV rolled into the big house and oh, pulled out a God. W over Michigan, going all Appalachian State style, my friend, how 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 cool would that be? I would for say, us here in in, in even, Las Vegas. Even you saying that, I'm going to put out a word that there must be Chris <laughs> Wynn sightings at some dispensaries around town. Exactly. I mean that that is so far fetched. It, it it isn't funny. And uh, but 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 the truth of the matter is. They have the opportunity, yeah. and that is the coolest thing. And hey, I remember a team called Appalachian State yeah. a, a few years back yeah. that were were um, they definitely caught lightning in a bottle that day. One double A team, and it, back then when they called it one double A, yes, yeah. So it can happen. So you can have, listen while we've got time. And, and Chris, I want to get into some of these salaries. I do yeah. want to talk about the NFL and all the signings and some record breaking deals. But there was a record breaking deal in the National Basketball Association that just happened. And I got to be honest with you, Chris. 
not that I don't like the player or that I don't like this guy. Do I think this guy is tremendously skilled? Is he a top 10 player in the NBA? He might be on the brink of being a top 10 player. He's that good. But the bottom line is Jalen Brown just signed a super max extension for $304 million over five years. The highest paid player in the history of the NBA. He blew away the Joker's contract from last summer, who, last summer, who arguably is the best player in the NBA. Yeah. Chris, what do you make of this? I mean, I understand right now, if you look at the Boston Celtics and you look at what they've done, they have really shored up. They've got Jalen Brown now signed through 2029, but starting in next year, they've got some problems because Jason Tatum is signed through next season. And after that, if he continues to play the way he is, he is a top 10 player. Matter yeah. of fact, arguably a top five player in the NBA. Yeah. He is going to command major bucks. But how does Jalen Brown explain to me get $304 million, Chris? That amount of money for a guy who is not even the best player on his team. I mean, that kind of says all you need to know about economics right now in the NBA. But that being said, the Boston Celtics... I would look at them kind of like they're in a difficult position here. In that this, you need to have Jay, you need to have Jalen Brown there to continue to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, and a team that can absolutely come out of the East and get to the NBA Finals, and of course possibly win it once you get to the Finals. They need him there to be that um, because if they lost him, you know, or lost him or trade him or whatever, whatever, whatever happened. You know that that would absolutely downgrade that that franchise from a from a uh, top tier standpoint in the Eastern Conference. That being said, I was just shocked at the number, given that when I think of Jalen Brown, I can I can rattle off, I can hammer away Brian Feldman, I can unload at least ten players in the NBA better than Jalen Brown, probably fifteen, and. That's not trying to be overly disparaging to Jalen Brown. The guy's a good player. Yes, he is. And he is a, going to be a key part of that Boston Celtic franchise, obviously now for the next five seasons. But you talked about, obviously, Jason Tatum's contract. The Celtics have to resign Jason, Jason Tatum. They, got, they have to now. That you sign, you're, sign, you're signing Jalen Brown to a $300 million deal. So when, you know what, you know what when Jason Tatum's deal's up, you got to resign him because your rationale... Is that you 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 pay him all that money because you want to keep the Celtics there no doubt. at the top of the East. So uh Chris, it, but it is just mind boggling that equates, he got that much. Do you realize it yeah. equates breaking it down just to put it in perspective, a hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars a game. Here's the thing a hundred and a regular season game, not that that's not including the playoffs where he'll get bonuses and incentives and extra money. Uh, just under a hundred and thirty five thousand dollars a game. So you mentioned that number, right? So here's the thing, and I'm gonna sound like uh, a whole old head like the youngsters call us because we are older we than are. they are. Just slightly. So immediately after thinking Jalen Brown, the guy's not even a top ten player when he got that three hundred million dollar deal yesterday, I was thinking, how much did Larry Bird make a game? Back in the NBA in the 80s. I know I'm going back and I'm kind of being that, you know, the, the old guy on the porch kind of thing. But I was like, the, Jalen Brown just made three, just, just signed a $300 million guarantee contract in the NBA. And all those guys that essentially established the NBA, the Magics, the, you know what the, that would have been the, like? The Birds, can I the tell Jordans, you? the even Jordan, even kidding. Jordan, even Jordan. As far as like his contracts, how is right? This an how is this for an example? Yeah. How is this for an example? This would have been back in those days, the yeah. Bird days. Yes, that Sidney Moncrief <laughs> signs the highest contract in the NBA. Wouldn't you say Jalen Brown, Sidney Moncrief, about you know similar? Our 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 good friend here in Vegas, Paul McKeskey, a eleven year NBA veteran. We talk about you know salaries back then in the eighties all the time, right? Play, play for the Detroit Pistons in nineteen eighty one with that team. Uh, but I mean, a lot of guys. Is, can you imagine yeah. Jordan if Moncrief signs that kind of a deal with Bird, Jordan, Magic in the league? Maybe you don't have those players, but you got the Joker in the league. You got a lot of really good players that have to look at that. And say, you got a really good player on your own team. Yes, that's ja better than you. Well, Jason, Tatum, you said Jason. Jason, Jason Tatum, Tatum is going to be a top five player. About three. Uh, uh, yeah, Joey just uh, just handed me a piece of paper that said Tatum is going to is yeah. probably eligible for about three hundred thirty eight absolutely million next. You, but you brought it will. up. He you will, brought it up. But Brian, you brought it up as far as Jason Tatum. You said top 10, and then you said top 5, and rightfully so, by the way, you said top 5. Because I think Jay, uh, Jason Tatum, in two years, 
I think he already is kind of going there, is going to be a top five player in the NBA. Okay, maybe that's me being biased because I Jason like Jalen Tatum game, is one of those guys that can single handedly win a basketball game. I'm not going to be able to name five guys in the NBA better than Jason Tatum. No, I me, think me in, me. in two years. Nope. Uh, and that includes even some of the older guys. You know, older and I uh, know I can't believe I'm saying this because but Jason Durant Tatum older, is in his right? prime and so just like, just getting great yeah. right now. So I mean, this guy, the upside is, and he's on his own team. He's but, on the same team, but, but as Jalen Brown. I wonder what kind of cap situations they're going to have. I mean, Chris, you're going to sign you're going to sign Tatum to $338 million contract next summer. Where are they going to fit these guys in? I mean, you're going to have a two-man team? Oh, you're going to have uh, a lot of uh, very average NBA players and you're going your bench is going to be or, pretty much you know your bench have- is going to be uh, you know the uh the team that plays the Harlem Globetrotters, right? What is that? The Washington Generals? Yeah, that's is that it. their team? That's that's, <laughs> that's what your bench is going to be. I mean, I look. I, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a financial expert when you know and a salary cap guy that can break it down. But you got to sign Jason Tatum. If you if you just gave three hundred million dollars to your point guard who you think is going to you know who's going who's an instrumental part of your team and has been a, a, a part of the team that got your team to a finals what two years ago they went to the finals. You're you got to sign Jason Tatum. You can't. You can't. Create any type of scenario whatsoever in which Jason Tatum's not a Celtic. He no, ends up going somewhere, is, or you make a trade. Even somebody you get in a trade, I I I don't know if they're going to. Especially the, as someone who worked in the Boston media and someone who knows that meet that fan base, it's not going to fly, man. If they if if Jason Tatum is no, not a Celtic Chris, in two years, Chris. The bottom yeah. line is Jason Tatum is. Well, you would consider you have guys that you consider NBA elite. Players. Right. He is an NBA elite player. Jalen Brown is not. It's as simple as that. So, yes, they have to sign him next year. But you know what? There are some of the most creative financial minds in professional sports in the world. These guys figure it out and find a way to manipulate numbers, shift around contracts. They'll find a way to get it done. But yeah. the bottom line is, it just set another new bar of just ridiculous compensation that I just don't understand. And it's happening in every sport. We see that right now. Again, Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert the best player in the National Football League? I mean, come on, man. Is he the best quarterback in the National Football League right now? The answer is absolutely not. Is his upside look tremendous? Does this guy look confident? Would we love... Uh, Jared Goff had a great year for the Lions. Give me Justin Herbert all day long. You want to argue with me on it? Call me up and let's do so. The bottom line is that I could not believe they just paid him more than Lamar Jackson. I mean, I understand Jalen Hurts. I was blown away at his contract to begin with. But Lamar Jackson... How are you paying this guy more? Lamar Jackson just, you know, commanded a great deal of money and they pay this kid more. Like I said, it's making, it's getting to the point of stupid because Joe Burrow is a guy that is about to come up on the end of his contract and oh my God, the money he is going to command. And then they've got like guys like Jamar Chase that they got to find a way to pay him after his rookie contract. I mean, this creates problems all around, which is going to, what we're going to see a salary cap increase. Chris, I guess there's no other way to justify this in the NFL. And, you know, we talked about just one of the guys right now go ahead yeah well quickly though there there's an element here too also that we need to we, that that, sure. that, that uh, right place right time there is that kind of element here when you're talking about especially in the nfl with justin herbert we just talked about matthew stafford earlier like there's guys that you just happen to be uh in a bargaining position as well as a position as far as the franchise is concerned where they they feel like it's a uh legitimate commitment to make and uh but going back to of course the the Jalen the Jalen Brown situation they're already talking about guys they're already talking about Shea Gilchrist Alexander being the first four hundred million dollar guy in the NBA I mean it's just a, a Shea Gilchrist Alexander really like this is this kind of goes to your point that you're making where it's like these guys who are not the top tier guys not top five not top ten but they are benefiting by the economics that is. The particular sport, and by the way, it's not just the NBA. We talked about this when Bryce when Bryce Harper got his big deal, right? We we talked about this in Major League Baseball. We talk about it, obviously. We're talking about it in the NFL as well. We're about to talk about it in the NFL as far as a money situation. It is a, a lot of it has to do with right place, right time, but it also has to do with where the franchise is at and what the franchise's commitment is, uh, uh, what they're willing to make as far as a commitment, and that that all comes into play. And uh, that's why you're seeing some of these astronomical numbers being tossed out there. Where guys are getting not just generational money, but multi generational oh, and generational and generational money yeah, I mean, that uh, that just wasn't I mean, in their play. Family's going to be rich for the next four generations. Exactly. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And yeah. you know, and a guy that I do believe, you know, and this this all of a sudden you see all these salaries going. Well, you're going to have guys that are sitting back at their positions that might have a couple years left under contract mm-hmm. and say, you know what. 
the hell with it, man. I can get it. the NFL stands for not for long, man. I need to get paid. And one of those guys, how about Zach Martin of the Cowboys, yeah. who just said, you know what? No, I'm not. I am maybe, maybe the best guard in the National Football League. Do you know that Zach Martin, I was checking the statistic out, Chris, in three years, missed one game. One holding penalty in three years. Is that not valuable at the offensive line in the NFL? One holding? How is that even possible as a starting offensive lineman to only hold, get caught for holding once in three seasons? That's unbelievable. A guy like that you lock up and grab. Well, the bottom line is, um, he does, uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I wrote some stuff down about him, but yeah. right now he is the eighth paid, eighth Paid highest paid guard in the Nashville eighth, and everyone says he's the best seven time Pro Bowler, six time All Pro selection. He says he is woefully underpaid, and I'm not showing up to camp. Well, make no mistake about it, right? Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys, is a shrewd businessman. We all know that, but unfortunately for him, sometimes he's shrewd to a fault, and he's made mistakes when it comes to especially you're paying all these skilled to, guys. You, this is a you guy got to lock in Zach Martin. You said he might be the best. He is the best interior offensive lineman in the NFL. I think so too. Okay, so you got. If and he's you, protecting. If, you, if you're the Cowboys, all right, and you can you can look at this in a general sense. You can look at it from a, a franchise standpoint. In that, look, you and I are Lions fans, and and we, along with other people here in the Vegas media, make fun of the Lions all the time, and, and rightfully so because they haven't won a playoff game since 1991. The Dallas Cowboys, the last time they were in a Super Bowl. Brian Feldman, you are a young buck, younger buck. No, Chris, I, I was, was there. just out of college. I was there. I am now in my early 50s, gentlemen. Okay. Do you know, do you know Chris? When this is a Cowboys franchise that hasn't done anything. I covered that game. Yes. I was at the Georgia Dome. When, were you? when the, it was yeah. uh, it was Buffalo Dallas Part Two, mm-hmm. the last Super Bowl, the four run of Buffalo. I was there. Yeah, I was at the Georgia Dome for that game. I covered it. Locker room after the game, the whole nine yards. I for, I didn't realize how long ago that was. I was man, I was young then. I was highly upset though, Brian. I've told this story before on the air. I had the uh, Buffalo Bills on the money line in Why that does game, that not and I was not me. happy Why? because. Thurman Thomas, they had the lead at halftime. I think they're up 13 to 10 at halftime, and then Thurman Thomas fumbled twice in the second half. And the Cowboys, not only did they win, they covered. I, 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 you know what I loved line. about that game? More I, than so I was furious, but I, I, yeah. you should be able to know. It's a Detroit clue. Why, why did I love that game, and what did I like about the Dallas Cowboys that year? Because I can't stand the Cowboys. Off I'm the Detroit top of my head now, I'm, I'm kind of blank. Who was their so kicker? Fill me in. Who was their kicker? Eddie Murray was the kicker. Are you kidding me? Oh Eddie, my Money. Eddie, Mur- Eddie Murray. Eddie Money Murray. Another guy kicker. that I grew up loving. Dude, as Eddie Murray's a friend of mine. I worked with him for five years when I worked for the Detroit Lions Radio Network. It was cool as hell. I went and interviewed. I got a, pic, a Polaroid. That's how yeah. old this is. I have a Polaroid of me talking to Eddie Murray at the Super Bowl, holding up a microphone with a cord coming out of it. That's to let you know how old that was. But getting but, back to the Cowboys, th- think about this. You know, yeah, we, we clown some of these other teams like the Browns, the Lions, and, 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 and other teams that have not had success in the last couple of decades plus. The Cowboys are right there with them, and it's the Cowboys. Yes, they're not really America's team anymore. I think the Patriots kind of took that over for a little bit, and now the Patriots aren't anymore. And I don't even know if there is an America's they team. They finally want to play right now, game, Chris. yeah. But, but you know, yeah. I know, but I mean, I know look, what you're the saying. Cowboys won. They've won a couple playoff games, I believe, in the last last decade plus. Uh, they won one against Detroit, but um, it's it's a franchise that is. You want to talk about expectations and 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 belief in themselves as being you know the uh, the heaven sent front of of the NFL. That's the Dallas Cowboys. Their fans, you know the 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 franchise. Jerry Jones, the the owner. So they need to get something done, and you're not going to get any closer to that, right, Brian Feldman? If you don't have guys like Zach Martin on your team and, and others, so. Uh, I think this is pretty much cut and dry from my standpoint. They got to find a way to, to to bring him into the fold long term. Oh no, they're, they're, without question, they need Zach Martin, and they are making a commitment. Chris, they signed Trayvon Diggs, who mm-hmm. is arguably one of the best cornerbacks in the National yeah. Football League. He signed a five year, ninety seven million dollar extension. Um, in in the three seasons he's been in the NFL, man, he leads the league in interceptions in his first three years in the league. This kid is really good. Um, he's now among the top six paid uh, corners in the game, and I think uh, Trayvon Diggs, what a huge sign for them. Unlike the Lions, the Cowboys hang on to guys when they when they are really good and they pay them, and that's a story for another time. But um, you know, the Cowboys, Chris, I think I, I, I think our team, you know, they're gonna they're. 
they're going to pay their players and Zach Martin will get paid. It just wasn't a priority because he had two years left on his deal. So no one expected Zach Martin to say, you know what? This is crap. And he's right. I mean, the bottom line is you pay all these skilled position players. Zach Martin is responsible for keeping them upright. You know, so why would you not want to pay a guy that is responsible for keeping your quarterback, who, by the way, you just paid a boatload of money to a couple a year ago? Why would you not want to keep him upright? You want to keep Dak upright? Keep Zach. That's going to help you out. That's one of the things that's going to help you out. And even right now, right, when you take a look at the Dallas Cowboys, you can make a very legitimate case. They're the third best team in the NFC, in my opinion, after Philadelphia and San Francisco. And then the Cowboys, I think, are right there. They're right now, there. I think there's a handful of teams that, could, that are swarming around that three to six area in the NFC. But, hey, if you're, if you're projected to be – a team that's in the top three in the NFC, you should have Super Bowl aspirations, and the Cowboys need to be in that in that mind spot. And speaking of the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy has been cleared and mm-hmm. will start the season for the 49ers. Now, I don't know if he will be the starting quarterback. They say he will be available to be under center for the start of the season, which when you saw that arm, I mean, it was it was really hard to watch yeah. in the AFC Championship game when once that elbow got hurt, he just could not throw the football. And, I mean, he could even throw it five feet, like push it to somebody. He'd had to throw with his left arm. But um I did not think that that was going to be something that only or whatever they do to, that would be this, yeah. that would be healthy to play in an NFL season, you know, less than a year removed. So you hear that news, Brian, and automatically, I I don't know what pops up in your head, but automatically I think of it's a quarterback battle, right, between Trey instantly, Lance instantly. and Brock Purdy for the San Francisco 49ers. They've, I don't know how beneficial that is for the Niners because I, don't, I think you want to have some continuity where you have uh, an idea that you have one guy that's going to be the guy. But uh, it looks like you're shaping up like it's going to be a quarterback battle. Yeah, you can't Francisco. move up a couple years ago to draft Trey Lance yeah. and bring him up and pay him all that money and be a high first round pick and not at least give him a shot mm-hmm. to upseat Mister Irrelevant. Yeah. You can't. You can't help but do it, and that makes sense, 100% sense, that they will um, they will make it a quarterback battle. I think the fan base is going to be screaming for Brock Purdy. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. What he did last year was nothing short of miraculous. I mean, this kid was an afterthought that, that, that many people didn't even think he would make it the roster before camp started, and he uh, we saw Brock Purdy play here at Allegiant Stadium, yeah. and um, I wasn't overly impressed. Like I never saw an NFL star coming out of this kid, and I don't know that I do now, but I think he is a system quarterback, a guy that plays within the system, a, an intelligent guy that understands what to do and doesn't panic under duress. And that's the key. I mean, to be a rookie and to be able to get to the speed of the NFL, and even in the postseason, he got up to speed. That was bizarre to see a kid be able, because that's the biggest thing. We talked to quarter, young quarterbacks when they first came in. It is the sheer speed, mm-hmm. the difference of the speed of the college game and the NFL game. It seemed like it didn't affect Brock Purdy. He came in from day one. And you think, okay, the first game Garoppolo went down, you know, uh, or Trey Lance went down. This is going to be our guy, and, and we're stuck with him. And that was what everyone felt in San Francisco. This season's over. It's a wash, man. Maybe our defense can win a few games, but that's it. And then what happens? This kid just turns out to be very, very special. And uh, luckily for Kyle Shanahan, because like I said, there's a lot of egg on his face from drafting Trey Lance, at least to this point. Because the one thing with Trey Lance, no question about this kid's athletic ability. I think it's exceptional. However, you got to be able to throw a spiral consistently in the NFL to be a quarterback, for God's sakes. And Trey Lance, it's like, man, did they not teach him down in in, in Dakota? Did they not teach him how to throw a spiral? Because sometimes, man, that guy, it's just it's Duck City with him. And he's a young kid with a strong arm, but, you know, someone's got to work with him. But again, egg in the face of Kyle Shannon, if, in fact, Brock Purdy does replace him. But... That again, he's got Brock Purdy. Just shh, let's push Trey Lance off to the side. Brock Purdy's our guy, and it might be forgotten if Brock Purdy can lead him to the promised land. Yeah, quickly, you talked about uh, Brock Purdy and his mindset, right, and his approach as an NFL quarterback. I thought a lot about uh, with Brock Purdy, a lot of comparisons came to mind the the kid from Michigan, uh, Cooper Rush for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Kind of getting thrown into the mix. Yeah. Uh, And to me, there was a lot of similarities in both of those scenarios, in that, uh, especially with Cooper Rush, Cooper Rush. Fairly successful, right? Steps in there. I thought he won. He went five straight games or something, or four straight games. Four straight games. Four straight games. In obviously because of the injury to Dak Prescott, but that's a very difficult position to be in, right? Be a quarterback who uh, doesn't have not necessarily huge. I mean, I guess it's a plus for you because you don't have monster expectations and you go in there and play well. But it's still you're playing in the NFL as opposed to playing 
in college football, no which is a big difference. No, yeah. no, absolutely yeah. no doubt. I think it's not super surprising to see maybe a guy go in and have one good game. The adrenaline's full. He didn't plan on playing. The quarterback goes down. He's thrown in. He doesn't have time to get nervous mm-hmm. before. And you've seen guys have to say, then the next game is when you see, you know, the other NFL coaches watch film. They find the tendencies that they can exploit and they do it. Brock Purdy, man, they had all the film in the world in this guy and they couldn't figure out how to beat him. Now, the running game of San Francisco had something to say about that. And you're talking about last year, at least the best defense statistically in the NFL. That helped. But Brock Purdy just simply got the job done. He had some nice weapons getting Christian McCaffrey. That was yeah. the best Christmas present you could ever get. Uh, came early for him. Christmas came mm-hmm. early for Brock Purdy. And then again, you got a great tight end and Debo Samuels yeah. becoming one of the best right wide receivers in the game. So we have some great weapons there. But you know what? All of the wep- those weapons were really impressed. George Kittle's like, wow, you would never think this kid's a rookie. And I mean, to get a compliment like that from an all-pro, one of the best tight ends in the game, that's pretty good. Listen, you are listening to the T.C. Martin Show. I am Brian Feldman. He is Chris Wynn. We are pinch hitting today for T.C. Martin, who's on the road with the Las Vegas Aces, as we'll talk about that on the other side. Good segue. As the Las Vegas Aces blow out Chicago yesterday in a big game, of course, Candace Parker's ex-team, and uh, the Aces had no problem with uh, the the, the Chicago. It's getting kind of ridiculous. It is getting ridiculous. We'll talk yes. about that. We're going to have Tim Unglesby. In a good way. If we can hear him, Tim Unglesby is at his son, who, by the way, is a tremendous prospect, who's only a, going to be a senior this year in high school. Tim is, is Mr. WNBA. If we can hear him, he's going to try to join the show. He's at he's at, out at the facility in California, okay. in San Diego. So if we can't hear him, we'll do the talking. But Las Vegas Aces talk coming up next here on the T.C. Martin Show. We'll be right back. Get wrecked with the Dr. T.C. Martin. on a hump day afternoon here in Las Vegas. Hump day! I'm Brian Feldman. He's Chris Wynn. The Detroit boys filling in for the doctor, T.C. Martin. Sitting behind the wheels of steel, as Chris Wynn dubbed that a long time ago at Lotus Broadcasting, (laughs) uh, is... Justin Chuck. Some people call him Dumb Chuck. I called him the Chuckster earlier, and everyone had what I call Chuck Meister. I, Chuck Meister. Chuck Meister and I was over here, never heard of it. Perplexed. You know what? Chris? I was very. Fa- what was that? What was the word? Chris, that, what was the word that Joaquin Phoenix used in Gladiator? Vexed. Vexed. I was very. You were vexed. vexed. I was looking at Joey ass. I was looking over here at Dumb Chuck, and I'm like. Who is the Chuckster? We gave I him. Put, I didn't put it together on his last name. We gave him. Now I get it. We gave him a new yeah. name today. I mean, you know, come on, Chris. I'm no, I'm no Chris Berman, but he hands out new names all the time. <laughs> yes, so does. why not? We gave, yeah. we gave, we gave the Chuck Meister a new name today. Uh, Are but, we giving our next guest? Yeah, a we're, we're going to bring That's it, the question. Well, our next guest has a game, man. He is Mister Heatwave Sports, and as I said to you before the show, and I, I would credit him all the time for this. I don't know that there's anybody in Vegas, or I know personally, and I'm not blowing sunshine up anybody's backside that knows more about the WNBA than Tim. Unglesby. He yeah. gets he gets quoted in the Chicago Tribune. I mean, the guy knows his stuff, and he has followed this this game forever. And uh, you know, and, and and he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, I mean, Tim will say it the way it is. He enjoys the game. He sees a nice future for the game, but he also understands the WNBA as a league has never been profitable. As a matter of fact, the WNBA, the Aces here in Las Vegas, are looking to be the first profitable franchise for a season in WNBA history this year, and they are going to do that. They will turn profitable, and hey, it, it culminated in a parade last. Last year, and one of the nicest practice facilities I've seen in any sport for a team that only has about 14 or 15 players. That practice facility in Henderson is absolutely unmatched. But Tim Unglesby out at his son's baseball game right now. And as I mentioned, his son, a stud baseball player who still has another year to play high school baseball here in uh, Las Vegas before he heads off playing college somewhere. I'm guessing it'll be at the high D1 level, but I'm not going to jinx anybody. We'll leave that subject alone because we all, we're all sports guys and we're all superstitious. I don't, I touched the Stanley Cup in 2007 or 2018 before the Stanley Cup final. I will never do that again. And I learned my lesson. So I'm not going to jinx Timmy, uh, Timmy's boy here, but Timmy, how you doing, man? How's the weather in San Diego? Brian, Chris, I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's great to call you guys members of the Heatwave Sports family as well. So anytime I can help you guys out, I will. Look, it's uh, 72 degrees. Oh, man. I'm at Point, Point, Point Loma University, D2 school, but it literally sits on the water. So it's almost like Pac Bell in, in San Francisco. You hit it out deep enough, it'll end up in the waters. It's amazing out here. 
You know what's cool, real quickly, is yeah. before I came to the show today, I was sitting in my other office, and the the CEO of my company who I, joins me on a show here Friday night. I do every from six to seven. Uh, rent it, buy it, refi it. Um, he uh, he was talking about where you're at right now, and he said they've got some great restaurants. Him and his wife go down there all the time. So I don't know what restaurants. I, I I'll text him after the show, and but he said there's some great eats down there in San Diego at the, uh, right near the ball field you're playing at. So I'll try to find that information out. But Timmy, talking about this, the WNBA. You know, you have been watching and following this sport before it was the WNBA, before Kobe Bryant got involved and really at least somewhat became one of the greatest spokesmen for this league. And have you ever seen a following or a team like the Las Vegas Aces since you've been watching this sport? Not not to this degree, no. And I'd say the closest may have been those Houston teams early in this infancy when they had the three P with with that roster that they put together. That was the first super team in the WNBA, if you really think about it. The uh, Houston Comets with Swoops, Tina Thompson, and, the, and those uh, players of that ilk. But this is a completely different level, Brian. And just you know, you said something at the beginning of, in the intro about how the league is is uh, the future of the league. It's taking great leaps and bounds here, and just the, since this team has come to Vegas. Just the amazing, uh, I, don't, I don't know, just the way that the game is looked at is differently, women's basketball, and I'm happy because I think it's, it's something that should be noted. 22 wins, two losses, the two losses on the road, Tim, in uh, kind of, you know, curious spots. Obviously, you know, the back end of a, of a, of a decent-sized road trip. Uh, that first loss, and then the loss down at Dallas that uh, was kind of, I, I, I mean, I'll call it this, I'll call it a fluke kind of thing. Uh, but this is a team, you talked about it, just unprecedented success. Obviously, they're dealt a blow by the injury to Candace Parker, right, as far as their bench is concerned, and the news today as well, too. But the point being is that this is a team, right, Tim? Especially when you're talking about the five they put out there on a regular basis in their starting lineup that uh, you can make the case is the best starting five probably in the history of the WNBA. I think I think that's a very good opinion, Chris. And name me, name me a better five. You know, you're, you're going to have to do some research to do it, and I don't think you'll get there. They're, um, they're a machine. Let's just put it that way, an absolute machine. They're fun to watch. You know, the, the joke at the beginning of the year was not that would they go undefeated like Brian said, but... I'm, I'm giving you a little business there, Feldman, but uh, what would they be able to cover every game? And, you know, you throw the, the gambling aspect into it. Would they be able to cover every game? And just night in and night out, it seems like they're they're right there. They can do it. You know, I'm not the only one who said it. Stan Van Gundy said it on national on national television during a game, and I played it on. Actually, I, I think I played it on the TC Martin show last time I hosted it, and I played it on my stage. You know, the whole thing was. I wonder if that's why he got fired from ESPN. Was one of the guys they let go, like making predictions like that. But you know, the whole thing was I didn't really believe they would. You know, it's a, it's a forty game season, not an eighty two game season, and uh, you know anything is possible. And this team looks so good, but you're going to have nights that you had to let down. They've had a couple of them, but again, it's as Chris and you just uh, pointed out, I don't ever think there was a better starting five in women's basketball at any level yeah. than what the Vegas, than what the Las Vegas Aces have going for them right now. And I don't know that there's ever been a better front face woman. There's definitely been better players. I'm not going to say Asia Wilson is obviously the best player and female player ever. I'm not going to even go down that road. But I will say, as far as the face of a league, I don't know in any league, Tim, in any in even the the major men's leagues, that there has been a better person to be a face of a league than Asia Wilson. How personal she is, how great and tenacious she is on the floor, and, uh, and, and and like I said, just for the aces, she gets things done all by herself. She is uh, unbelievable, and all of us know from day one, coming in, the smile, just the, the openness to talk to the media, the fans, the children. She's a perfect face woman for this league. But you and I talked yesterday a little bit off air, Brian, about. Uh, what it means for the, the future of the league and moving forward. And you brought up a great point was that there's still not a lot of people out there mainstream that know who Asia Wilson is versus some of the other players that have been around a while for different reasons. So I think that's the next step if you're looking at growing a league and if that's going to be your face woman, continue to build that brand because she's important to the future of the league. 
So, Tim, I wanted to bring this up with you and with Brian because it's a topic that intrigued me. And it was uh, during the WNBA All-Star Game, one of our colleagues, Willie Pops Ramirez, was talking to another prominent player in the WNBA and talking about, you know, how, how this Las Vegas Aces team has been and, and uh, talking about their dominance and all that. And the player made a comment referring to this team as being, quote-unquote, beatable and also made a comment saying that they have no bench. Now, look, I'm going to bring this up. Saying that the Las Vegas Aces have no bench, given that they have the likes of Alicia Clark on their bench, given the likes they have Stokes on their bench before the injury to Candace Parker, and given that they have a number of other players that are quality players on this bench, I think it is a preposterous and outrageous statement, you guys, to say that this team has no bench. It's one thing to say, okay, they don't have a great bench, or it could be, or it could be a weakness. And, and Brian, I'm going to get your opinion on this as well as Tim's. It's one thing to say they don't have a great bench, or they are one of the average benches in the WNBA, or 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 maybe you could say the bench is a weakness of theirs. That's fine, but to say they have no bench, gentlemen. I think is kind of a preposterous statement across the board. Timmy, I'll just chime in. I want. I definitely want to hear your opinion on this. Yeah. But Chris, you're 100 percent right. They've even got someone like Sidney Colston, exactly. who's been a starter for years in this league, who barely gets two minutes off the bench because this team doesn't need to be that. Kirsten Bell could score 100. You know? Yeah, and I agree with you. But and Timmy, I want your opinion. That what I wanted to say, Tim, though, what Timmy was pointing. Him and I talked yesterday, yeah. and what we were saying about Asia Wilson, though, was you know I talk to people like my daughter and ask her, you know. And she, she lives in Vegas. You know, not a big sports fan, but do you know who Asia Wilson is? No, she didn't. But she knew who Brittany Griner was. She had heard of, of Sue Bird before. My point is, Asia Wilson's the face of the league, and people, even in Las Vegas, don't know who she is. That is something that WNBA has to address and find a way to make players more popular and put them out in the, in the public spotlight more. Because in Vegas, there shouldn't be a pe- person right now. They just won the WNBA championship. There shouldn't be a person walking down the street that doesn't know who Asia Wilson is. Well, Tim, is. I'll go quickly because I want to respond to that real quickly. I would, I would make the argument that, that Asia, as great as she is, and, you know, She's a perennial MVP candidate every year. I don't think she is the face of the league yet. Yes, she has a couple commercials, the Ruffles commercial and all that, and she does some things. But I I think you can make the case, right, Tim, you can respond, uh, that she's not yet the face of the league. She should be the face of the league, right? And I think we're here in Vegas, so I think we're a little bit a little bit skewed because we're here in the Vegas, even, even if we're out in the media. We're here, so we pay attention to her. But I think when it comes to the WNBA from a national standpoint, I mean, when you take you, you brought up Brittany Griner, she's not Brittany Griner's not right now, not really a top five player in the league, really. No, but it's what happened. She, she's famous. Exactly. My daughter knows her because of what happened. But that's the point I'm Russia. trying to make here. I mean, you could, you could bring up Brianna Stewart, right, in New York. You could bring up uh, you can bring up uh, an Eskew in New York, right? Asia as, Wilson as, as people Chris, that have. And I, want, I want to hear Tim yeah. too, but Asia yeah. Wilson was the captain of one of the two All Star teams. Yeah. Asia Wilson is in more commercials than any WNBA mm-hmm. player right now nationally. She is the face of the WNBA. Tim, am I wrong or is what do you think? Is Chris right? She's not the face right now. I, I think she is now. I think last year when they won the title, it pushed her past Brianna Stewart. In my opinion, Brianna yeah. Stewart was the face for, mm-hmm. for years previous to that. And you guys are right. Reiner is strictly known for something that happened off the court rather than on the court. I guess after that, it would be Tarasi, maybe that people would remember or Sue Bird, who's not even in the league anymore. So yeah, uh, she's the face. You got to move forward with it. Uh, do we know who said that about? The team doesn't have a bench. Is there? Uh, you know what's funny? Because I heard the interview. I heard it live with Willie, and it, I and I just it just escaped my mind. And then I just kind of like put it. And I did. I should have. I should have checked on it before I brought it up yes. in the show. But but yeah, I, I want to ask you, Tim. What do you think about that? The notion, right? Not that they have one of the worst benches or like an average bench or not as great as a starting five bench, but the notion that they have no bench and that makes them beatable. You said it. Ludicrous was the best word you could come up with because that's terrible. You you guys said Colson. You said Bell. You said uh, Parker who's hurt, but still they're carrying on. How about Kayla George, MVP right. over in Australia, who's not even playing half the time? So... Yeah, they, they have, and, and to say that they pick up Candace Parker and they're they're on a six game winning streak without her even in the lineup. I mean, you know, I don't want to say they don't need her. You know, I think I would still rather have her here than Liz Campage, who was a pain in the ass. But 
I will tell you right now that, you know, if you would have told me Candace Parker is going to probably miss half the season and the Aces are going to maybe lose four or five games all year, which is, I think, when it's all said and done, that will probably be the total losses going into the postseason. I would have told you you were nuts. Yeah. yeah. Look, one, one through 12, there's nobody deeper. They have the best pitch. So the, the thing about this is, guys, it's not a matter of uh, – how many games are going to lose? It's a matter of can anybody beat them in a series in the playoffs? And there's only one team that can possibly do it. And we're going to get a steady dose of that here coming up in August. They're going to play a few times. And that's New York Liberty, guys. Another, Brian, super team that we talk about. After that, you got maybe Connecticut that can hang around with them. But that's it. It's one of those three teams that are going to win the title. And it's going to be probably Vegas and New York, which we all called at the beginning of the season. Yeah, we were at... Uh... On Friday, myself and Jose were at the Westgate. We talked to John Murray about this. Right now, the Las Vegas Aces, from a betting standpoint, minus 350. Minus 350 a team picked <laughs> to win the WMA championship. That pretty much tells that's a, you all you need to know about the expectations regarding what Tim, Tim brought up, right? The New York Liberty, the Connecticut Sun. Uh, right now, both those teams, what, four games, both four games back? Which, by the way, I looked at that. I was kind of shocked, right, Tim and, and Brian, where I was like, they're only four games yeah, back, I both the those same teams? Thing, yeah. How's that even possible? But, yeah, they're, they, are, they are far and away the clear favorite to win the whole thing again and repeat. Timmy, when does the league become profitable? When when are we going to say that the WNBA as a league, and again, I don't mean this as a joke. Chris laughed, and I, I chuckled too, but I'm not in any way putting it down. I would like to see it become profitable, and I think it's incredible for the Aces to be, for Las Vegas to produce the first profitable team in WNBA history. But when are we going to see this league-wide? Because here you got a market like New York, a market like L.A. with the Sparks. You've got some big markets that have teams, and and you would expect by now, with what's gone on with the league, and some of these names, and especially the prominence of women's sports over the past couple of years, that the WNBA by now would be turning a profit. Timmy, is this going to happen, and if so, when? Man, I wish I could give you a target date, and I, I don't know, Brian. It's it's look, it's so hard. Look, Mark, what Davis has done is unbelievable, and you have an owner like Joe Sy with the Liberty who owns the Nets as well. He's putting money into the league. And you have the Connecticut Center owned by the Mohegan uh, tribe. They're putting money in the league. The problem is the rest of the owners, you, you got to get more. You need more help. And, and the problem with the WNBA is even if you have the money, it's just getting out there and being recognized. And that's been the tough uh, road to hoe for this league for over 20 years now. So I couldn't give you a date on that, Brian. I wish I could. I mean, I like what I'm seeing. But, look, they're still not flying. You know, you know when you talk about it, really – they're still not all flying commercially. That, that, that's a, as much as people think about it, that is a big deal because that's money that they don't have. So that's a problem. I don't know. I think you need more. I think you need better investors coming in. I think you need bigger name investors and ones not like the NBA owners in previous times, right? Chris, that just bailed on these franchises and put the league back another 10 years when they did it. Yeah, there's a there's a long history of the WNBA, long being twenty what twenty six years or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, as I point out, you guys may I cover the Orlando Miracle down there, and uh, there just isn't the kind of dynamic that there is here in Vegas. You guys brought up the niche that they have here, right? The fact that you know Mark Davis and uh, they have a great arena, and it's a lot of these games are sold out, right? You're talking about ten thousand fans coming, but then you can turn around. And just last night, gentlemen, on national TV, on ESPN, and I get it's an anecdotal example, but you watch the Chicago Sky Las Vegas Aces game. Look into the stands there in Chicago at the Wintrust Center. There's like three, 4,000 fans there. I mean, it's just, you know, it's not, it hasn't caught on. And to the, the question that Brian asked you, Tim, right? And I'll, I'll respond to it because, yeah, I was chuckling kind of tongue in cheek because there have been hundreds of seasons of franchises already in the WNBA. And this being the first season that one team is going to be in the black is a clear indication that there, there is an issue from a financial standpoint with this league and it's not going to be figured out and to to say or expect that the WNBA as a whole is going to be profitable in any in any time in the near future I think is you're not you're being disingenuous and you're just not being uh, not being realistic I guess is the way I'm going to describe it when it comes to the league and being profitable yeah, I would. I'll just say, Timmy, Chris, I I agree with you. Yeah. That's the biggest surprise is the amount of time that's gone on before you've seen one team. Because typically, and again, you know, that's what was my aggravation with the the girls asking for more money yeah. uh, was the fact that you know they're number one, they're playing only forty games. Number two, you're not you're losing money. When do you ever see a company? 
that loses money every year, and the employees say we want to get paid more. I mean, one of you. Ever you see that company go out of business five minutes yeah, after they right? start. I mean, their I mean, it's yeah. amazing, and yet, yeah. you know. But the last thing I'll say, because we are just yeah. about of time, and 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 this is something I've been curious about. Now, you know, it's been it's been over a season removed. How big to the league? How big of a blow was it to the WNBA to lose Kobe Bryant? Looking back now at this point, because when you've got a spokesman with the notoriety and the fame of a Kobe Bryant with backing daughters. your product, with daughters that yep. potentially in, were future WNBA players, and you lose that spokesman, man, the WNBA waited forever to get someone like Kobe Bryant to come on board and 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 sing praises. How big of a loss was that, uh, Tim? And and is there is there a way to replace this guy eventually? Huge loss, no doubt about it. We we enjoyed sitting literally behind the Black Mamba when he was coming to games with his family and uh, the notoriety that he brings. It's a huge loss. I don't know. I don't know how you replace it. LeBron James, does he replace it? Is that good enough if he decides that he wants to, to be that guy? Is that good enough to replace it? It's tough, Brian. We we're again we're in Vegas, so we get we get all these guys all the time. We get all the stars, the NFL, NBA guys, even the hockey guys. And back to what Chris just said. Look, when you, you know you have a team like Atlanta, which is a nice upcoming young team that doesn't play in in the Hawks arena because the rent is too much, and they're drawing twenty six hundred fans a game. There's a big problem between the top and the bottom. So, and we can go on this on this for for hours yeah. because yes, it's good for the league to have super teams. But yes, it's bad for the league to have super teams as well. That makes perfect sense. He is Tim Oglesby. You can hear Tim and his partner, Tom, Tommy Barton, who do a phenomenal job on Heatway Sports every Saturday and Sunday night on Fox Sports Radio. Definitely check them out again. Uh, you know, and again, if you're somebody who uh, wagers in Las Vegas sports wagers in all seriousness, I don't know that there might be shows that m- maybe are on the same playing field as Heatwave Sports, but these guys give you real advice. They don't claim anything that w- they take accountability for every every pick and everything they give you, and it's a phenomenal show. Timmy, I really appreciate taking time out, especially I know how important it is being at your son's uh, game in San Diego and your son's the, the facility there. We wish him nothing but the best. I know all of us are going to be following him for the next couple of years and maybe for hopefully for another decade or so but again i really appreciate joining yeah tim tim give aiden our best and uh, hey you know brian didn't want to pump him up too much but i'm gonna do it okay and i'm getting ready to get that professional jersey that aiden's gonna be sport baby when he's playing in the minor leagues and then eventually the big leagues baby i'm i'm pumping it up all right i'm already fired up my friend i want, I want a picture I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting it out there there, there we yeah. go <laughs> tim, you guys are the best man I love you guys. Thank you. <laughs> love you too, brother. That's once again Tim Unglesby, and uh, we're getting ready to close out. I want to make sure you know that uh, don't um, if you miss any part of this show or any show, go to tcmartinshow.com under the podcast section. Also, check out the interview page and hear from his great guests. Go to the current and classic interview pages anytime at tcmartinshow.com. Good time. Have a, had a great uh, afternoon, Brian Feldman, and uh, all, all the uh, TC Martin Show nation out there it was a lot of fun and uh gonna be at that game on uh, sunday three o'clock matinee against the dallas stars las vegas aces back in town i want to see the old dallas stars they bring back a hockey name which is in dallas wings my bad i was gonna say all right he is chris Wynn. i am brian feldman we've got numchuck back there i gave him back his old name we've got joey working the wheels of steel right now once again i'm brian feldman it was a pleasure for chris Wynn and i to pinch it for tc martin's show we'll do it again again i'm on every sunday morning fox sports radio 98.9 fm 13.40 a.m. flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. 8 o'clock, the show's called Out of Line. I look forward to seeing you there. T.C. Martin back in studio tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Check him out. It's been a pleasure, man. Have a great one. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.